This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, then give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. Good morning. This is 51st Dates, episode 20, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. I have had, actually, I'm going to be honest, I just had a hard week. Um, I want to, what I want to do is not lose my shit all over everyone. Um, So we're getting close to tax prep time. And of course, uh, my ex, who will never divorce me in this lifetime, reaches out and says, we had an agreement to file taxes together for 2020. At which point I think to myself, I don't think we had an agreement, but after, you know, an entire lifetime of gaslighting, took me a good five to 10 minutes to figure out whether or not that was true. So I would never, I never agree to anything um, unless it's in writing. So of course there was no agreement. Um, And then my attorney's like, so you should file together for 2020. And I'm like, why? And she's like, he can save a lot of money. And I'm like, well, so, okay, fine. That's interesting. I'm not going to do it. Next, I get an email from my accountant's assistant, whom I'm not a fan of, and he says, oh, I'm just emailing to, you know, check up on your joint filing and I'm going to need your agreement so that I can prepare vouchers for next year. At which point I email him, I'm like, what vouchers? And what what he's talking about, or well, he wouldn't admit to this, but what he presumably was referring to were the self-employment vouchers that you have to prepare. But, you know, there's no need to do that immediately. Um, so I say to him, so I actually, I no longer do things by email for things like this. So I'm like, uh, well, I couldn't reach him. So I said, you need to call me. And he calls me and he's like, so you should file jointly with your ex, me, uh, why? Well, you know, he's going to save a bunch of money. Me? How much money? Him? Well, I can't really say. So, okay. Great. At which point he says to me, well, he'll he'll pay for your tax preparation. And I'm thinking, so you're telling me that he's going to pay for something that is of no immediate benefit to me. Um, if I file with him, I can't save for my own retirement because he exceeds the Roth IRA income level, whatever. And the accountant says to me, well, that's true. At which point I say to him, so I'm sorry, can you please explain again to me what this benefit would be? At which point he couldn't say anything. And I said, well, I think I'm going to end this conversation now. So then let me just say this. There were probably fucking 10 more emails um, of the variety of you should do this. I said, well, okay, I'm willing to do this if he's willing to contribute to my uh, retirement because I haven't been able to contribute to my own retirement 
for the last two years because his retirement income is seen as mine since we file a joint return. And in under no stretch of the imagination, apparently am I going to get any of that cash, which is fine. Um, but I would like to be divorced and I would like to not retire into poverty. Um, so I would like to con- start contributing to my own um, retirement funds and nothing. And it's just, how can I say this? Um, one of the things, well, so this is what triggered it. So then I get in, I've been getting texts. So I had a friend who I've known for about 20 years. I met her when I moved to LA and she sent me a text about a year ago. I'd have to look at my phone where she said, you know, your problem is that you're trying to heal the hole in your heart with men, which took me, I had to pause. I literally had to pause and I was thinking, okay. And I know that she, she's very religious, which is fine. I am not. And I know that she doesn't agree with my, uh, (laughs) 51st dates project, um, or having casual sex or sex with men outside of marriage. She does not do that, does not believe in it. And I honor that. Like I'm not asking her to have sex outside of marriage. She can do what she wants. Um, and she was divorced maybe 13 years ago and has been in a lot of emotionally unavailable relationships with people. And I don't want to wake up 10 years from now feeling sorry for myself for not having at least pursued a fulfilling relationship and I'm not planning to get married to do so. Okay, that said. So she texted me over Christmas, which I think is like nine months later, um, saying, oh, I got your Christmas card. Um, You guys, me and my son look great. Happy Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, something to that effect. Okay. The next text was, have you seen The Bridgertons, which is a show based on a series of books by Julia Quinn, who's a historical author, whom I don't think I've seen in like 10 years, maybe more. Oh, wow. Been a long time. Anyway, I don't even know if she had finished that series or she was halfway through the last time I saw her. Okay, I digress. So then... um, There was a whole, she sent a text and then she sent another text. There was an article in The Guardian about the Bridgertons. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't really have the patience to sit and watch television um, for a long period of time. So I didn't respond to those texts and uh, there's a lot going on. And I just, you know, kids at home, hoping for a vaccine sometime in my lifetime uh, stuff. So she sent a text yesterday in which she says oh I saw something about your books um, and I'm wondering if you're okay and I don't know how to respond because the last time I saw her we were in a car it was last Christmas Christmas 2019 sorry and I had driven we had driven oh I don't know we drove somewhere to do something I don't remember I know we drove downtown which I never really do and We drove back and I was dropping her off. She lives, well, she lives not too far from me. Maybe, I don't know, half a mile. And I was dropping her off um, at her home and we're sitting in the car and I was feeling sad about all these relationships. And, you know, I talked about it. Like, I was feeling sad that these guys were not available 
emotionally to me, um, but sort of were in pursuit. And I, you know, as you'll hear, I spend a lot of time trying to figure this out. And she was like, well, you know, I think the core issue is that you miss your husband. And I looked at her because I'm like, did I not say to you in 2018, we were standing outside a theater. I remember this on Washington. I think it's called the Nate Holden Theater. We'd seen a friend um, perform the music of a famous composer or something. And she says, well, you must be sad about your marriage. And I'm like, no, I am not sad about my marriage. My husband was abusive and I'm glad to get out. She's like, well, I hear you saying that he's abusive, but you know, he always looked like he loved you whenever I saw him. I was like, I'm not going to discuss whether or not he loves me or whatever, because I can't, you know, assess that. Um, But I don't think anybody who hits me loves me. And she's like, so, you know, you're not regretful about leaving your marriage? I told her I'm not regretful about leaving somebody who abused me. And I cannot tell you, this was so hard for me to say to somebody who'd known the two of us for the bulk of my marriage. But she's one of the friends that like, at some point I stopped uh, spending time with my friends and him simultaneously because it was just too hard. He would criticize them. He'd come home, you know, he'd tell me that, you know, them or me, you know, why do I want to have these friends when he could be my entire life? Um, and so it was really hard for me to say this. And so, you know, I was like, do you not understand this concept? He was very abusive, um, continues to be so. And, I left because I could not take that anymore. And she said that she understood, but a year and some months later, we're sitting in my car in her driveway and she's like, well, you know, you must be sad. You know, God wants people to be married to each other. You know, would you consider forgiving him? And there's nowhere to put that. So I thought between that and the healing my heart, the whole my heart with men, I think she may have sent the text uh, fairly, uh, close in time. I was like, I need to take a pause and not really speak with her. Um, and I didn't say anything to her cause I needed to process that. Plus, you know, the flying monkeys that the guy is sending at any given time keeps me busy and I haven't thought about it. And then there are these sort of three texts in the last couple months and I don't, so I have a lot of anger, I think, because I am exhausted with trying to explain to people that staying in an abusive relationship is not going to work for me. First, I had to distance myself from my own mother who said that his anger was my problem. And I actually just blocked her an email a few weeks ago when she told me I was going to die a lonely and miserable death unless I reconciled. Um, my mother talks to my uh, ex all the time. Um, so, you know, it's sort of that thing. And then, um, actually also then my best friend from college, she was one of the first people I told, and I told her actually before I left, which I knew was sort of dangerous, but she lives in New York city and, you know, and I was, um, not 
in LA. So I thought it was a pretty safe bet. So she starts sending me these articles on how to reconcile. And I I emailed her back and I said, look, I am not looking for advice. I am looking for support. I am going to need help when I like pick up my toys or like my clothes basically and move out because he's going to be difficult and I'm going to need all the help I can get. At which point she said she understood. Then she came out probably like the Christmas. It took me a, a year and a half to leave. Um, but she came out, let's say 2000, probably 17. And we're driving in a car. God, LA and me in the car. We're driving in a car going to some meeting. I don't know, yoga, meditation. I don't know. She had flown out because she... Um, she is a, I'll just say she's a TV reporter and there was something going on in 2017 in LA. I don't know. Some celebrity thing. She's a celebrity reporter, uh, for one of those tabloid shows. And she were in the car driving. I don't even know somewhere in the Hills to some meeting somewhere. And she's like, but why are you leaving? I'm like, she hit me. And he's, she's like, well, is that enough? I'm like, okay. So, and this is early on. I spent whatever time we were in the car. I remember making a left turn off of the freeway um, onto Mulholland. And she, I spent maybe a half an hour in the car explaining to her why I was leaving. And the and she's like, well, maybe he's just lonely. He needs friends. You know, I've tried to help you find friends for him. I'm like, I, you know, why am I like trying to find friends for him? Like, I can't fix his life. He's made the choices he's made and they're not mine. And it was only when I explained um, his particular form of sexual torture, which I will spare you. Thank you. Um, that she was like, oh, well, that's a reason. Um, and at that point, I think I thought I sort of had her support. So you know, time goes on, I move out, um, I told her I moved out, like I sent her my address, my new address and whatnot. And she was like, I'm on your side, you know, anything you need. And I thought, oh, great, you know, she's not the only person, I have obviously local friends, but, but I thought that, you know, she was going to be supportive. So at some point, she sends an email um okay so let me say this um so after i left my ex called everybody who he had a phone number for which fortunately was not that many people to try to get them to plead with me to come back he sent a letter to my therapist um pleading with her to try to get her to convince me to come back like the level of crazy was pretty high and I guess I get an email from this friend and she was like, you know, I, he called me and I talked to him for an hour and he's really sorry and he's never going to hurt you again. And he said he's going to go to therapy and he said he's going to med meditation and, you know, maybe you'll see him there. Wouldn't that be funny? And that was the last I had contact with her. Because I can't imagine how she thought if I ran into him at meditation, which by the way, that didn't stick for more than a second, um, that it would be funny. Like I didn't know the funny part. And so 
well, she probably moved in with a guy who was convicted of felony domestic abuse and that situation spiraled, at which point I had to take her off as a potential guardian for my kid. And she, I think, still visits my ex um, when she's in L.A., uh, you know, up until the pandemic and now nobody's visiting anyone. But she was and I thought, who are these people who claim to sort of love me but can't who know that I was in an abusive relationship, who have sided with the abuser. And the thing is, like, I was watching some YouTube, I was scrolling through the notifications this morning, and there's one of the many people I follow talked about narcissistic abuse. And she was talking about how often the men are, like, charming or whatever. My ex is not charming. He's, like, a straight-up asshole. Anybody who meets him would say so. Um, he has one of those jobs in L.A. where you can be an asshole. There's about five of them, <laughs> um, and he has one of them. And um, it's just sort of fascinating because he's not charming. He's not nice. He says horrible things about me, and these people are like, hey, why don't you get back with him? Why don't you manage his anger? And so, oh my God, so I'm on this like too long rant because I just, I can't, it's like, it's, I can't believe it's just like a constant barrage of people who are like, if you could just, I don't know, do what for him? Like, I need to be autonomous. I need to be free of him. And, uh, I just need to be done. And I think that let me say this, you know, after my friend sent that text about, you know, healing the hole in your heart with men, I had to, I took a step back because every time somebody says something critical to me, I take a step back because that's my whole life. And I thought, is that the case? And I don't know if I talked to my therapist specifically about that, but one of the things that she did say was that you can only sort of sometimes, uh, there's some things you can only process in relationship to other people because you need to sort of practice the skills, whether it's like boundaries or vulnerability or whatever it is, you need to practice those skills in relationship with somebody else. I mean, you can sit in your house and journal and, you know, I don't know, meditate and do yoga and do whatever, um, all you want. But at some point in order to practice the skills that you've learned, um, through growth and resilience and healing and all this other stuff, you need to practice them with other people. And I hear that, but at this point, I am not, I'm still not, I don't think I'm ready to go back out and date because it just seems so hard to think about starting all over again with somebody else who's theoretically healthy and then also being this sort of person who's healing from abuse and put all that into a new relationship. Nothing about that seems fun. Um, at which point then I'm back to, hey, I can have casual sex with one of these guys. Um, which <laughs> we're back to uh, this. So um, I'm going to read you chapter 19 of... Um, 51st dates in a moment. Chapter 19. It's not cheating if there's no commitment. March 29. 
There are many things to love about classic car guy. One of the things I don't love is how unavailable he is. I wanted a guy with his own life. The universe had provided just that. Maybe I'd asked for the wrong thing. I couldn't figure out why that itch of being with someone wasn't scratched by my every so often dates with classic car guy. So I opened my phone and scrolled for male companionship for the weekend. Mr. Irish would be available. He had a certain desperation that I knew would work in my favor. So I offered up a matinee date to see Captain Marvel, and he accepted. He liked the concession stand and knew a lot of trivia about superhero movies that would serve me well in other conversations. I sucked at that sort of thing, but he was good at bringing me up to speed quickly. Then I took the free drink at Dave & Buster's. He had a beer, me, a mineral water. Given how my night was likely going, I needed to pace myself. I caught up with a girlfriend I haven't, hadn't seen since we went to a Brene Brown Netflix taping together. Brown had talked about a call to courage. I think it was that courage that allowed me to pursue classic car guy. Looking back, I realized I'd met him just two days later. Over brisket and pastrami at the newly opened 11 City Diner on Wilshire Boulevard, my girlfriend talked about the guys, hers and mine, Day Trader, Classic Car Guy, Thunderbolt, and the others who really hadn't made a reappearance. My friend said that she liked Day Trader above all others because he was nice, because he didn't expect anything. I told her that I liked Classic Car Guy the best. We both agreed as I scrolled through the 30 or so selfies he sent, many at my request, that he was by far the sexiest. Then why are you texting Thunderbolt? She asked me when my phone trilled during dinner. I was finding that I had to make my plans for the next thing while doing the current thing. It was rude, but with today's last minute planning, it couldn't be avoided. Because I like sex and need to make up for lost time, I said. Lost time? There wasn't much sex in my marriage, I said. She's someone who'd met both me and my ex-husband at the same time. We lived in the same Los Angeles neighborhood when my ex and I had only been married a couple of years. Really? She asked. I know she'd wondered about this. I'd hinted for years that my marriage was virtually sexless. Sexless. Even though her own marriage had ended years before, mine, sex, or lack thereof, wasn't the reason. He liked porn. He liked me jerking him off or blowjobs while looking at porn. He didn't much like sex with me. By that, I meant intercourse or anything that focused on my pleasure above his. I'm sorry, really. She leaned forward, her face full of sympathy. I hated those faces from friends. Made me feel very sorry for myself and all the lost years. That's such an asshole way of living. I thought it was what I deserved, I said. What do you think you deserve now? Maybe something better, I said. And you like classic car guy? I really do. Then maybe you should go home and watch a movie. Would he think you having sex with Thunderbolt was cheating? Maybe, probably, I don't know. But if he wanted exclusivity, he could very much use his words to ask for that. He occasionally referred to himself as my guy, but I couldn't make life decisions based on oblique references and the occasional date. And frankly, I liked spending time with Thunderbolt when he was nice. My phone dinged. I looked down, texted back. Did you just make a date for sex? She asked. I did. I kind of have to leave now. You shouldn't do this, but I will. I had a half an hour to kill before Thunderbolt came over. I smoothed it over with a glass or two of wine. He had two modes. I think nice guy and totaled ass. He texted me. Thunderbolt, be there in five. Me? Okay. Thunderbolt, in the Uber, do you have condoms? Can stop if needed. Me? Of course. I'm like a Girl Scout. Thunderbolt, good girl. Here. Me? That was fast. Thunderbolt, I live close. 
When his here text arrived, I wondered who in the hell would come through my front door. For the sex, which always features a nice guy, I was willing to take either beforehand. Tonight, I was in luck. It was nice guy. He came through the door with a kiss and a smile. I kind of wanted to know what had happened to the other guy who'd freaked out on me a few weeks back and sent a bunch of passive-aggressive crazy texts after I admitted I'd met someone I liked. But I didn't ask. Instead, I offered him a glass of wine. Then he brought his talking A-game. His movie premiere had gone well, despite a last-minute music clearance snafu. We talked far too long about everything and nothing, touching on penis euphemisms and romance a few too many times. A few glasses of wine in, they do get kind of funny. Then he asked the question I wanted to avoid but couldn't. Tell me about classic car guy, he said. There's nothing to tell, I said. He's lovely. Lovely? You going with that word? I nodded. That's the most passive-aggressive word. Lovely. I didn't actually exactly know what to say about the guy, like the guy who wasn't there. Then that we shared a similarly dysfunctional upbringing, that he was both strong and vulnerable at the same time, that when he was there with me, he was 100% there, that when he was gone, I felt like he was a million miles away, not 20. Except, of course, he wasn't there this night. Classic car guy said that he wanted to be with me, but he was always doing something else that was clearly more important to him. I was working overtime not to take that personally. Classic car guy's words and actions, however, didn't quite match up. I didn't have the time to dedicate to figuring that piece out either. Or maybe it was that I didn't want to spend too much time figuring it out. So I declared the topic of classic car guy off limits again, though Thunderbolt was happy to tell me stories about every person he'd seen since the last time I'd been with him, including a 27-year-old virgin he decided not to deflower. After we killed a full bottle of wine, things got even better. He took my candles and arranged them on my nightstand so there was a soft glow in my bedroom. Then he undressed me slowly, reverently, like it was a date instead of a hookup. For the first time, he didn't whisper what he wanted, but used his real voice to ask what I wanted. I gave him a list of things that I loved. Every item on my list got ticked. What I got was a full two hours of screaming orgasms. He did any and everything he could to make sure that I was pleased. I'd like to say that I did my best in return, but all that wine may have clouded my memory of my reciprocation. I promised myself I'd get him next time. Right before I went to bed, after Thunderbolt had left and I'd blown out the candles, turned off the lights, and tucked myself into bed, I text Day Trader to wish him well, then I text the classic car guy. Me? Off to bed. Hope you guys had fun. Good night. Also, there was wine. Lots of wine. That was the most censored and measured text I'd ever sent in my life. Oh my god, what I didn't realize before I read that chapter was that the friend that I was having uh, an early dinner with at some diner in Wilshire, I don't know if it survived during the pandemic, was um, the friend who just sent me the text um, about the Bridgertons and healing a hole in my heart and all that. Um, so we'd been, we met, so I went to the movie with the Mr. Irish and it was weird. I don't know. Actually, I don't eat a uh, movie concession food i don't like popcorn and i don't eat candy um but he had both you know they sell ice cream at movies i had no idea i learned that we were um but i think we went up to grauman's chinese um in hollywood because why i don't know there's a whole long story about we went to another theater i think at the grove um 
at which point I go in and they're like, the movie's not playing. And I look at them and I'm like, but on your website, it said the movie's playing at, I don't know, 11 o'clock, 1230, whoever knows what time, at which point the woman behind the counter said, oh, our website is never accurate. You have to call. And I thought to myself, the movie theater, um, I think it's an AMC theater. It's only business is showing movies at a certain time. And if their website can't tell you what time the movies show, then I don't really know what business they're in. Like it was the bizarrest thing that like anybody has literally said to me in a business. I don't even know about that. So we ended up taking an Uber up to Grandma's Chinese and um, we saw the movie and I guess we went to Dave and Buster's, which is, I'm not even sure what it is. I think it's a sports bar. I've only been there this one time. I know that there was some kid's birthday party there, one of my son's friends. So I think they have an arcade in the back or something. Don't ask. It's this huge place up in Hollywood. Don't know. Um, I, uh, so then, so I was in, so this is Thunderbolt. I was Ubering everywhere. So I Ubered from Grauman's Chinese to this 11 city diner, I guess, on Wilshire um, but I shared the Uber with Mr. Irish at which point, so I get out of the car. My friend was walking from her place to this diner. Um, so at this point I get out of the car and he's sitting in the back of the Uber and I asked the Uber driver to like take him home and I would just pay for it, whatever. Cause this Mr. Irish seemed like could not figure it out, but like between, you know, wherever Logan city diner is and wherever he lived on, uh, I can't even remember the name of the street like it's not too far um so my friend leans down and like she introduces herself or something and so I close the door get out of the the uber and she looks at me she goes did he dress like that for a date so he was wearing what we would generously call sweatpants but you know there's two kinds of sweatpants the sweatpants you wear out of your house and the sweatpants you wear in your house he was wearing his in your house sweatpants and like a t-shirt that was uh ill-fitting maybe too big maybe had holes I don't remember and she was like did he she was like how can you go on a date with somebody who doesn't even try and I was like you don't know that they're not gonna try until you get out of they get it they meet you or whatever I think that's the last date I had with them I don't know we'll find out I guess um it's later in this book I don't remember um but she, so I think this is the start of her uh, issues with me because, so I went to the diner, we had the brisket or whatever, I don't know. She had been there before, she eats out a lot and she really liked it. And then we walked to her, her place, which is not too far. And by the way, LA and West Hollywood are all surprisingly walkable. If you live in tiny little neighborhoods, there's about like I don't know, maybe five or 10 of them, where if you like stay within your five mile radius, everything's walkable. Um, but to get to somebody else's five mile radius, you have to drive. So we walked to her apartment. Um, I think we probably had dessert and like talked for a few hours. Um, but I had met her for dinner, maybe like at four or five or whatever. And by like eight or nine, I was like, well, I'm going to go have sex with this guy. Um, and it really sort of bothered her. Um, and I thought, I get it. Like, this may seem like a little, I don't I don't know how it seems. I can't speak on it. Um, but I'm safe and, um, or safe as I can be. And 
I enjoy myself and I don't think there's any reason not to do that. But I think that was the start of it because she's wanted me to sort of stay home and like, I don't know, think about the guy. Like, So I should say, you know, one of the issues is that um, her husband left her for somebody else at this point 17 years ago, but it seems it was not. God, it was that many years ago. Okay. And she has not had sex since, which is fine. You know, that's, I guess you, um, evangelical Christians don't have sex outside of marriage. So that's fine. But she has been in a relationship with an unavailable guy for most of that time. And she just sits home when he's unavailable. She just sort of sits home and waits for him to call, text, Facebook, or I don't know. And I get it. Like, she is in love with him. He, I don't know what he feels about her because I can't say speak on it. Um, but I can't have, like, a 10-year no-sex relationship with somebody who doesn't call me. So no offense to the classic car guy, who I really, really liked, but I was not going to sort of sit around twiddling my thumbs hoping that he was thinking of me um, because he wasn't providing what I needed which, wow, from the future to say that at the time, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I literally don't know what I was thinking. Um, but at the time, I guess it seemed like everything seemed like a good idea. And for this particular weekend that I just described to you, I have zero regrets. I enjoyed my time with Thunderbolt. Classic car guy was off, I don't know, at his sister's house visiting his nephews or something. I don't know. He lived with her off and on. It was, I, I never quite figured that out. And, uh, Mr. Irish showed me that, um, people don't make an effort for you. I don't even know what to say. Um, but it held up a bit of a mirror in terms of, well, clearly he doesn't think you're worthy of making an effort because he really wanted to pursue you. He would make an effort. Um, but I will say the one thing I do remember is that Mr. Irish texted me maybe Sunday, cause this was probably Saturday night, um, to say that he had bought one of my books and was going to read it. So there you go. Apparently if I got into dating to sell books, I would have sold 22. So that's, uh, that's how it goes. I'm going to go play with my dripping hair. Um, it's Sunday, <laughs> it's still a little damp and, uh, think about how I need to respond to this friend. I'm not sure. Maybe my anger's dissipated. Who knows? I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore and on all social media at the same handle, xojoliemore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.